1: Hello everyone, it is That Wings Guy here for an episode. I know that we've missed the last two weeks, and so in order to get an episode out this week, John Hearn will be hosting tonight, so after I do this little intro spiel, uh, I will be popping smoke because I have to go finish writing a paper. Darn you, David Cagle, and your youthful enthusiasm. Uh, I'll have to go back and finish a paper that is due tomorrow, and so John's going to, again, as I said, host tonight. And so we have an episode this week. Now, John's guest tonight is Cecil Birch. And I don't know if the whole hour, hour and a half is just going to be them insulting each other, if they're actually going to discuss anything, but both are likely possible. So I'm actually looking forward to being able to see this episode or listen to this episode in the car later. uh, Just to see what these two do when they're left completely and totally unsupervised. So John, are
0: you? I'm doing great tonight. Cool, Cecil. I'm doing great,
2: and there's this is going to be awful with no supervision. <laughs> this is just going to be awful. I'm telling you right now, I need when, supervision constantly.
1: Yeah, well, Cecil joined the Zoom meeting, he just looked around and said, Man, your standards for this show are falling if this is what we've generated to. But, uh, uh, you know, just as an update on, for people, I've been getting numerous requests for people inquiring about courses uh, coming up and um, i hope that i will be able to get rolling with that once i finish with this program which should happen sometime in may uh, i am looking forward to putting some of the stuff i'm learning to use but you know i got to get finished with this before i can get started with something else and um yeah it's going to go by quicker than i imagine It just seems like it's a lot of time and effort being put into it right now um New job is going well. I'm enjoying. I'm having a blast. And with that, I'm going to pop smoke and get out of here. And I'm going to leave you in the I hope capable hands of John Hearn. So it you paper, it. Man. All
0: right. So before we get started, Let's try it's a to- mandatory to, yeah, no, before we get started, mandatory disclaimer. I'm here doing the single dad thing right now. My wife is on her way in. So, I've got a kid behind me, two kids that way. So, if the video suddenly pauses or goes herky jerky, it's because all heck is broken loose. So if there is a weird video going on this stuff, there's probably a story behind that, so uh, you'll have to pay for that information. But Cecil, I'm sorry I interrupted you, man. what were you saying? I was just saying i'll try
2: to I'll try to do my best to not let this go off track. I promise I'll try, but that's so I can only try so hard so
0: so. How we got here was Lee sent me a message, I think it was like Thursday, going, hey, you want to do a show? And I'm like, I sent him a long list of topics, and he's like, yeah, any of those would be fine. Well, I couldn't get any of those people to come on, So uh, (laughs) the next best thing I could come up with was, hey, let's talk to Cecil. And um, Nobody wants to talk to
2: Cecil. We know he's available, so we'll
0: scrape the bottom of the barrel. Yes, yes, it is. Because what happens is this is going to require that I say nice things about Cecil, and this is this is literally going to be painful, right? And while Cecil Birch may have almost zero redeeming value, okay, other than being able to exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide, he is an incredible emissary and spokesperson for the BJJ world. Um, I uh, I spent a lot of time recommending uh, BJJ for people who attend my lectures. Uh, Cecil suffered through one of those last year and uh, everybody
2: should everybody should suffer through that class dude that's a great class
0: another 20 i owe you cecil but uh i started my i I restarted my bjj journey so i'll probably throw in chime in here a little bit but i just thought it would be worthwhile to have cecil kind of pitch us on bjj he's uh older than dirt when it comes to this subject so he probably has a lot to say so cecil why don't you start out by you know uh explaining other than the fact that what was the great line from the way of the gun the only thing you can tell about a broke down old man in this business is that he's a survivor right uh tell us how you got here man so I started I
2: started my martial arts journey forty five years ago uh stepped on the mat um and for whatever reason it just spoke to me so and I you know as a kid you know I had all these other i ideas. I wanted to be a rock star and I wanted to do this and do all this stuff, but somehow I ended up being a martial artist. I don't know. And I just kept training and everything since that day. I've never stopped. And each step led me to something else. You're like, I love everything about the martial arts. I love the, the historical thing. Cause I'm a history nerd like you, you know, you dig that kind of stuff and there's these little pieces. Uh, there's a social component to really good martial arts. Um, I've met some amazing people, uh, experienced some amazing things that I might never have if I hadn't been training, Um, you know, competition, sport aspect, fitness, all that's really cool. But my driver has always been, can I fight with this? Can I use this to protect myself? Can I use this to protect my loved ones? And so each step on the journey was finding that next one that was like, oh, but this is maybe this one will work even better, this and this. And I I got my first taste of jiu-jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in 1989, um, and it was just little bits and pieces because there wasn't a whole lot of people doing it. Um, I I kind of played around with it a bit, and then I, the person who became my Jiu-Jitsu professor, opened a school here in Phoenix in late '93, and I've started and I've been training with them since then. Um, uh, realistically, I still consider him. My instructor. Even though I have now for the last not quite year and a half, I have my own academy, and I'm and I'm doing that full time and training. But I've been doing that now realistically thirty one years of jujitsu. I mean, I still do the other stuff too, but jujitsu has sort of become what I love the most, um, I think. And I'm and I'll try to hopefully talk about some of the reasons why I've spent maybe a little bit more time on jujitsu the last twenty five years than I did on some of the other arts that are still great. Um, but that's basically where I'm at. I've just been doing it nonstop. I, some days I, I ran my professor's academy. I was the gym manager. I taught all the fundamental classes. I filled in for him when he was gone. Um, so I've pretty much been a full-time, almost a full-time jujitsu instructor going back 18, 19 years now at this point. Yeah, yeah, probably about 18, 19 years since I've been doing it
0: so i got criticized on the uh the uh, episode we did on the nti we never actually explained what the nti was so let's start out dude tell us what bjj is okay well wait let me do this first let me do
2: this because before i start talking about jujitsu and i start proselytizing about how awesome it is and and how everybody needs to drop everything and devote their life to it and it's the most important fighting system on the planet and if you don't do it you're going to get Kilt in the street, because no matter what else I say, that's what everyone's going to hear. Even though that's never going to come out, none of those things are ever going to come out of my mouth, but everyone's going to hear it. So before we start, I love jujitsu. It's not, you can't use it as a standalone art that covers a hundred percent of self-defense there. It is not a complete system in that sense. It covers, I don't know, 60% of Stuff which is a pretty good, uh, um, which is a pretty good number, but it's not complete. We still need some other stuff. There are still some other acts, aspects, um, including firearms, that you need to add to this. So as I talk about, hey, I love jujitsu, and here's why I think it's great. Just everybody needs to understand that part of it as well. It's I, I'm I'm not saying it's its own thing that's perfect. Okay, it's just an, it's an important piece. Of the puzzle it's a large chunk of the puzzle but it's not you know it's not the whole puzzle so having said that now hopefully everybody remembers that part um so Brazilian jiu-jitsu it was an outgrowth of judo so judo started late 1880s in japan Jigoro kano created it um made it incredibly functional fighting system out of multiple Japanese jujitsu jitsu systems, changed the name to judo because he had a different approach, basically created the idea of sparring. Um, it didn't exist. And pretty much out, outside of boxing and wrestling and that kind of stuff, the idea of sparring never really existed in any of the fighting systems before because then nobody knew how to do it. So Kano, one of his genius things was figure out how to train this safely. And so it became a very... Popular art in Japan, and then it started spreading. Well, some of the people spread to Brazil, and a couple guys down there started teaching. The most um, known was a guy named Mitsuo Mitsuo Mayeda, and started teaching what he referred to as jiu-jitsu because he didn't want to get in trouble with Kano that he was teaching something different. So he started teaching jujitsu down in Brazil and ended up teaching um, these brothers um, named Gracie, and then they went on to found their own academy in Rio. They moved to Rio um, and found an academy around 1925. The date, you know, some people say it's a little earlier, some people say it's a little later, but 1925 is the normal accepted date. And they just started training from there. Um, and since then, really the the push was late eighties where it kind of came out of uh, Brazil and started spreading. But the idea with Jiu-Jitsu is it's more of a, it's a grappling system. There is strikes. They're very limited. It's much more either in a standing grapple or on the ground. Um, and we can talk about the why it developed that way. But it's let's get close to a person, start to control them on their feet or take them down. And it's an easier way to end the fight. Um, and it's always been a fighting art. It's absolutely always been a fighting art. The, the sport part of jiu-jitsu has only been about the last mm, Less than 30 years, um, there was a couple every now and then there'd be one or two tournaments in Brazil throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, but it didn't really become an art, uh, a fighting art till the, or, I mean, I'm sorry, a competitive art till the early 90s. Like my first tournaments that I did around 93, 94, 95, we, there was no such thing as a jiu-jitsu tournament in the United States. I did judo tournaments. Because it just didn't exist. So I always find it funny when people go, oh, and you doing that sport? Well, yeah, there is there is definitely a sporting aspect now. And there are some issues that you have to watch with that. But no different than, than just doing USPSA as a shooter and thinking that is all you need to prepare yourself for the street. And it's the same with with um, sport jiu-jitsu. But it's definitely a fighting art, you know, For first and foremost. Um, and that's sort of the really general idea of it. I mean, the general history of it.
0: So uh, move in tell us a little more about the why of BJJ. And you are limited okay. in two hours, let's say.
2: <laughs> oh, man. So, well, that's that was stupid on your part because I could keep talking about this forever. Um, so what w- – really what Connell found, it was very much Connell started it and then the then the Gracie brothers, especially the youngest, Alio. Um, what they found fairly early was it's sort of counterintuitive that the, the, the smaller, weaker, less physically um, dominant guy actually has a, a, an advantage when you move close to the bigger guy. You know, I think there's, there's this image I think we have, especially in the, in modern America is, you know, standing out you know, striking, punching, boxing, and it becomes like, well, I got to be a good enough striker and, and punch my way if i get close to this guy he can grab me and control me and it's actually the exact opposite um striking is much more dominated by the bigger stronger tougher faster guy whereas if we use technique if we use leverage if we use mechanics if we use good strategy and concepts It's actually easier, and this is what the Gracie's found, was it's easier to control that bigger guy once we make a torso-to-torso contact of some kind. And we can control uh, the limbs, and we can control the hips, and we can have head position. We can control base and posture. Whether we're standing or on the ground, it's actually much easier to control a guy. And actually, the funny part is going to the ground, again, seems a little counterintuitive, you know, holding a, a, a bigger guy. But really what it becomes, it now becomes a two-on-one fight when you know what you're doing. It's no longer you versus the other guy. It's you and the ground versus the other guy because now that ground actually works with you. You're the hammer, that's the anvil, and the guy's the squishy bit in between. Now, you have to understand that. You have to have some technique and you have to have some, you know, a bit of a skill set. But once you start playing with it, it becomes really amazing that, oh, man. I can control this guy who outweighs me by 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 pounds. And that's not, you know, that's not typical, you know, martial arts are great at this. Oh, you know, I can touch you. You know, I can throw this at you and five finger heart exploding punch technique and all that kind of garbage. That's not true. Right. But this is not hyperbole. You can go to any legitimate jujitsu academy anywhere in the world, any day of the week, and you'll see what I'm saying. To be hundred percent true, you see that hundred thirty pound woman going all spider monkey on this two hundred thirty pound dude and choking him out, breaking his arm, completely smashing him over and over and over again. So it's not you know PR, it's not it's not you know um, commercial hype. It's actual truth. and that's why jujitsu has become uh, where it's become what it's become, where it's so popular now because you can't deny the truth after, you know, once you see it, once you feel it. Yeah. We saw this in the late eighties, early nineties, you know, a lot of the traditional martial artists were very offended at jujitsu and they fought it and they tried to say, well, this and this, and I'll just do this. And I just do this. Well, they tried. And the, and all the jujitsu guys were like, go ahead and try it. And it didn't work. And eventually that message gets out. Of eventually enough people see it and it becomes popular. So now you just see it, man. Like I just, I taught class today. I had class this morning. We had, I had literally had everybody from from 13-year-old girls in the adult class on up to guys in their 70s. And they're all working. And we have, we have some enormous human beings there. And we also have these small, like, you know, literally 110-pound women in the class. And they're doing fine. Actually, some of the women are way better than the dudes. So it's it's very counterintuitive to most people, but once you experience, you go, "Oh yes, why did, why have't we always done this? Control the other guy, don't get knocked out and and then use technique to win.
0: Gotcha. so so much like the you know Samuel quote was kind of the great equalizer, you're saying that uh, all of a sudden being smaller weaker, dare we say older is not as much of an advantage if you know what you're doing or it's not as much of a disadvantage if you know what you're doing.
2: Yeah. It's, it's funny because everybody, everybody goes for striking, right? So it's like, well, obviously the easier way to end the fight is elbowing the guy in the head three times, punching him really hard. And that works. If you're big enough, this is the problem. Smaller guys can only it's, it's physics. I don't, there's no magic. You know, I wish I wish there was the force or something that, you know, some magic internal power we could use um, because then I wouldn't have to train so hard all the time. Um, But I that smaller guy can only hit so hard. There's a reason there's no open weight division in boxing or in Thai boxing or any striking art Because you put that 135 pound lightweight champion up against the. 250 pound heavyweight champion. The lightweight champion's dying. But in jiu-jitsu, there is that open. That is the, in the world championships, that division is the one that everybody waits for. We want to see the open division winner. That, whoever wins that, big or small, that's the guy in jiu-jitsu for the year. And every tournament has that division because striking, yeah, striking's great. Do not get me wrong. You have to have striking. There has to be a striking component to your game. But if you're the smaller person, if you're a, if you're a, so I'm 200, if you're 110 pounds, you're only going to hit me so hard. And it's probably not going to do much more than irritate me. If we're fighting, whereas that 110 pound person, and I've had this done to me by 110 pound people choking me out, controlling me and not let me do anything. So it's that it's that really it's weird that that it's the promise that you'd want martial arts and it's true and it's effective.
0: Um, So you're talking to somebody that has never done BJJ before, right? And what would you, what would be that process of steering them and getting them off on, on the right foot? How do you get somebody started? So the, the main thing is finding the right Academy
2: and not being in a hurry. That's the war. That's the most important part. Um, so like, like I, for me, I think what, what people refer to as the combat sports are the, are the most functional fighting systems, boxing, judo, sambo, all the forms of wrestling, uh, uh, Thai boxing, sabbat, all those things, the fighting, the, the combat sports, because you actually do it. You're actually training. You're actually hitting another person. You're getting hit. And they're all great to train. And there's, and, the, and again, there's aspects that we definitely need some stand up wrestling. We definitely need some striking. But with jujitsu, it's just as functional as all of those. And it's the least traumatic to the body done correctly. And that's the important part. Yeah. Do injuries happen? Sure. I'm an idiot. I, I, I used to push myself way too hard younger because I was like, I got to get to the next belt. I got to get this move. I got to get ready for this tournament. And I mean, I've I've tore up my shoulders, my knees, doing just dumb stuff. You don't have to do that. Um, Do jujitsu where you just go, look, I'm not going to become a master fighter tomorrow. Just start on the path. Find a good academy, an academy that does not cater to the meatheads, that does not solely... Um, Concentrating competition that's good that's a great aspect but it's not solely do they have a lot of women in the class do they have a lot of older people do they have a lot of younger like and i'm talking 13 14 15 year old do they have all that is everybody smiling is everybody getting along is everybody laughing joking are there little clicks wherever it's like oh gonna, when that when i roll i'm taking that guy out stay away from that have the ones where everyone's high-fiving each other, giving each other knuckles, going, hey, boy, hey, man, it's so great to see you today. Great. Let's train together. This is going to be great. And just go, hey, I'm going to start nice and easy. I'm just going to work through technique. I'm slowly going to build. I'm not going to be in a rush to go. Let's go roll hard. When can I sign up for a tournament? Find an academy that actually cares about the art and about teaching and about the safety of the pe- of the student." And just start and take your steps. And the other thing I say, I tell everybody this, don't do too much of it too early, right? We always want to dive in. We're always like, yeah, I, I love this. Yeah, I heard Cecil, I heard this, I did this. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to take jujitsu four days a week. And then what happens? After three months, you've gotten hurt. Not because of the academy, not because of anything, but you're just overtrained. You're doing so much and something gives. Start slow. Oh, twice a week and do that for months. For a few months get used to it just start to learn the art learn the learn the little pieces and then you want build up a little bit more start to go a little harder you know start rolling doing those other things but just start that process the thing that i love about jujitsu done correctly is you can take anybody and give them some useful tools that work right away especially against the untrained person out there right you know, you might not be the best jujitsu guy, but in the land of the blind, the one-on man with glaucoma is king. So if you just have a little bit already to start going and you don't have to kill yourself to do it. you right. And, and nobody, nobody should think of this as I'm going to get to be a black belt or I'm going to get to be a, a, a Pan Am champion. No, just think about being a little better, a little more capable at doing jujitsu. Just slowly work through the process. But I, I think too you know too too many people try to do too much too soon, and they and they're and they don't pay attention to the the quality of the academy and the instructor. You know, just look at that. Go to a good place. Don't worry about it if it's a competition school. you know, they teach sports stuff. Does't matter. You're learning new stuff as long as it's taught safely and correctly. doesn't matter if you whatever whatever technique you're learning, you're still building the the building blocks of jujitsu. And if one class, you learn something that that's a, a weirder competition technique, that's not a, you know, not very much a self-defense technique. Don't worry about it. Just learn it. Just learn to move, learn to do stuff, learn to grapple. And the rest comes, you know, I I hear people, Oh, you know, uh, there's a good, there's a jujitsu place by me. And I'd like to go, but it's a competition school, and I'm interested in self-defense. Yeah, you don't know anything. Right? You don't. You don't know anything. How about just learning some jujitsu, even if it's sports stuff? You know, like I want to learn combat defensive shooting, and all I have is USPSA matches. By me, go shoot the matches. Right, you're going to get to be a better shooter soon, and you can build whatever extra stuff you need.
0: So you're saying it's almost like any other physical endeavor. Like if I want to be a runner and I want to run, get a good time in a 5k, the first day I'm preparing for that 5k, I shouldn't go out and actually run the 5k. I might want to alternate walking and jogging and then slowly build up to that. That, That's a crazy idea. Or maybe I I need to, if I'm going to lift heavy stuff, I'm going to get good coaching and learn form and slowly build up to that as opposed to, you know, diving into the deep into the pool and then wondering why you got hurt. Right exactly and all
2: this stuff's the same the same process to you know to to learn any skill at all it's the same just start on the path don't worry about getting
0: there too soon and just you know start slow and build well just throw this out because i'm going to ask questions along the way we we hear, you know whenever i recommend jujitsu i always hear people concerned about injuries especially because i'm talking to you know people in their 50s and stuff like that i mean What percent of injuries are just caused by people not tapping out, not saying, hey, I can't get out of this? You know, I I guess not, you know, having too much ego involved and that causes the injury versus inadvertent stuff, do you think? Do you throw some numbers that way? about 90% ego. And it's on both sides. Now,
2: this is on both sides. You could. It is possible to have a jerk partner. That is absolutely possible. And I've seen them. I, unfortunately, had to train with guys like that. So that is possible, you could be doing everything correct, your ego's out of the way, but you're partnered up with somebody who's a jerk. That can happen. Hopefully the instructor is paying attention. Hopefully the instructor is trying to look around constantly and understand, hey, this blue belt goes a little too hard. So I'm gonna keep them away from all the new guys. I'm gonna put them with my good blues or I'm gonna put them with my higher belts only. That, that's what the one of the most important things that an instructor can be doing. Short of that, most of the injuries are internal. I'm going to go too hard. Like you said, I can't tap. I can't let the instructor see me tap. I don't care when people tap. I don't know of any instructor, who's any decent instructor who cares about that kind of stuff. We're not looking, oh, that guy's a tough guy. Oh, that guy just snapped his shoulder. What an idiot. He's going to be out of training for the next four months. That's what we're just saying. Um, it's the one who thinks they have to finish the move just to get the move, but they don't care about their partner, and they go too hard and they hurt their partner. The um, just those dumb things. When you, when you had a hard day, you're tired. You haven't had a lot of sleep. You you weren't eating well. You're you're had a tough day at work. Maybe when you go and train, which and it's still a good idea to train, but maybe think about just going nice and light and easy. Don't think, oh, I'm gonna go super hard today. No, just this is a this is a long journey. There's no there's no set time. You have to be somewhere at it. So some so some training sessions are gonna be really good and really pushing it. And a lot more are just going to be like cruising and probably a handful. You're going to half-ass it or you should half-ass it or you're just, I'm barely there. I'm barely breaking a sweat. You know, yeah, I'll let somebody do all their stuff. But as soon as they even touch me, I'm tapping out just that if you do those things, you'll, you'll prevent most, uh, certainly you're going to prevent most serious injury. I mean, yeah. There's the freak injury. I mean, you're talking about any physical activity. I had a friend blew out his ACL playing uh, pickup soccer at at a park. Just not even going hard, just running. He had a little divot and blew out the ACL. He was down for nine months. Well, you know, physical stuff happens. So it could certainly happen in jujitsu. But I, I will tell you this: all of my, yeah, all of my injuries, all of my serious injuries. Came from mostly me being an idiot. Just I had to do this, or I couldn't let this guy throw me, or I, you know, something like that. So if you just, no, but here's the thing: nobody really cared right? At this point, right? I used to think, man, everyone's gonna know I tapped five times yesterday. You know what? You know what they were thinking? How many times they tapped yesterday? <laughs> They're not tapping, thinking about me. And you go six months, they don't remember. I don't, rem- I don't know how many times I, who I tapped to, and I certainly don't remember who tapped to me. I don't remember how many points I scored on somebody when we were working competition roles or something. You just, tra- you just play, and you're just like, hey, this is great. I had a good training partner. Oh, that was a great session. Man, some of my best training, some of my best roles have been against the guys who just thumped me, who were so much better than me, but it was fun. because I learned stuff. So why do I care? Okay, right. you got me, bro. Let's start again. Cool. Oh man, you're about to get me on that one. Let's let's go. So throw the ego aside. Don't try to show off. Just learn. And most in, most of the time, and again, like I said, you have to find the right academy and the, with the right instructor who makes that kind of thing a priority. And I hate to say this, but there are some who don't care. I mean, I, I, that pains me a lot to say that, but I've known them. Um, I've been at their academies at some, you know, I've visited academies like that and it's very much a Darwinian shark tank because they have this old school mentality, you know, we're fighters and we're going to fight to survive. And, oh, you tore your ACL. We'll wrap it up and come to class. And it's like, no, we don't need to do that. We don't need to be that way. So most of the time, and I, and I get injured, I totally get injuries. Um, it, it is, a, it is important. But like we've been open almost a year and a half, and we've had no injuries. And we train hard. We you know we have hard roles, but we have no serious injuries. Nobody's nobody's had to been out for surgery or out for six months because that kind of thing's a priority. So if you just take that little time to have that due diligence to find that right place, and then leave your ego aside, and you're gonna be good for most most things. Even when you're an old way the universe works.
0: and Just the way Listen, the universe works, probably the gym that's closest to your house will not be the best gym. That's just the way the universe kind of works. Yep, sometimes.
2: Sometimes and, you uh, have to, all right, there's one 10 minutes from my house, but it's a horrific shark tank. I drive 30 minutes, and this place is, you know, the panacea of jujitsu and safety. So sometimes, you know, like I said, do the due diligence at that point.
0: Well, uh, this involves my suffering, so I'm sure you'll enjoy this. Oh, uh, I've been working, uh, I've been working with Nick Doug uh for a while. He's been coaching me on strength and stuff like that. And I text, I you know, I sent him a message, checked in with him on December. It's like, hey man, I'm about to start jits in January. Uh, I need to start thinking about changing my program and stuff like that. And you know, he texted me back. He's like, Have you ever done jiu-jitsu before? I'm like, Not really. He's like, Well, there's going to be some adjustment. Yeah, there was some <laughs> adjustment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, because it's, you know, I've been, lift, I've been lifting pretty good now for about nine months, but it's like, dude, it's a completely different form. And especially early in the thing, it's like, you know, on Monday, well, that was kind of like being rear-ended by a Honda Accord at a stoplight. Wednesday, that was, well, that was like getting tagged by an F-250 that's barely brake checked as far as that stuff goes. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it takes a while for those adaptations to take place, right? And there's oh, like yeah. a difference between being sore and being hurt.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, oh, i'm I'm constantly sore. <laughs> I, I'm you know, things are sore all the time. But yeah, hurt, pain is different, you know, soreness. Of. But it's funny because strength and conditioning is very specific. Like you have a baseline for sure. But then the strength and conditioning, the fitness demands of any system, any fighting system, is unique. And there is that adjustment. Um, I've had people I've seen over 31 years come in and they are in phenomenal shape. You know, 6% body
1: fat. You know,
2: they do this and they do this. And and then here they see this chubby asthmatic old guy rolling for 10 minutes straight. And I'm wheezing. I'm hitting the inhaler on the side of the mat. And they're like, oh, I got this. And 30, 60, 90 seconds in, they're shot they have no grip strength they can't push they can't pull they can't breathe and here i am going 10 minutes give me a minute break another 10 minutes da, 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 da. it's a completely different thing and it does there is an adjustment period for sure in the beginning because grappling just in general uses muscles and body parts that we don't normally use especially in the west that's one of the that's one of the funny things because women tend to be better jiu-jitsu students because number one, their ego tends to be out of the way. They just, you tell them to do something and they try to do it as opposed to dudes like,
0: oh, I'll do it, I can do this.
2: Plus, but they can use their hips. They tend to be, women tend to be able to use their hips better. Whereas dudes, we don't like, you know, we're walking like John Wayne, which is there's nothing wrong with that, but it's also not particularly useful for grappling. And so now you start using body parts that you're not used to, and that can hurt. I mean, every time I do a seminar, Um, I I wait, I wait for Sunday morning. So we, so I teach my seminars three hours, Friday night. It's not too bad. Nine hours, Saturday. Now it's getting bad. People show up Sunday morning and everyone's walking very slowly. Everybody's creeping in everyone's and they're stretching and they're going, Oh, I had so much ibuprofen last night. And Oh, this is so, yeah. If this is your first time doing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for that. I understand that.
0: I'm flipping the questions. Any other uh, thoughts I've been told about you know on you know for like the forties and fifties crowds, any thoughts on uh, optimizing your jiu-jitsu experience as you get older? I mean you would yeah, be an the in this thing... field, wouldn't
2: you? Oh my god, dude. A few more months and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be out of the 50s. So yeah, I kind of know what I'm t- you know, this stuff. Um the main thing is once you get older, be be a lot l- more reluctant to just roll. Now roll now. Don't get me wrong. You have to roll. That's the final check on how well you know jujitsu, how you can perform it, how well you can functionalize it. So you have to do it. But as you get older, you don't have to do it all the time. You don't have to do it at that full bore capacity. So if there's days where you're not feeling it, don't. Don't roll. Maybe do technique work. Maybe do some drilling. Maybe do some isolation sparring. But when it's time, okay, last half hour of class, guys, we're going to get in like five good five-minute rolls. Okay, let's go. Maybe grab a partner you trust and go nice and light for a round and then say, hey, coach, you know, I got to get home, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Just pace yourself a a lot more as you're older because we don't recover the way these young guys do. Man, we – you get these guys, these 25, 28, 32-year-old guys. They're going, I oh, just two-hour workout, and then I went to lift, and then I hiked a mountain, and then I do this, and I go, shut the F up. Because when I got out of bed this morning, I hurt, so shut up, right? And they don't understand each decade, right? <laughs> we lose that resiliency. We, 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 we lose that recovery time. So as you get older, just Chill, and again, that this, this is his thing. If you are at the right academy with the right instructor, they should understand that, right? If you got it, if you're in a place where the instructor is like, no, no, just roll some more. Come on, dude, you got to. I'm gonna, and I hate saying this. I hate saying this because I feel like I'm betraying, you know, some sacred promise or something. But you, that's probably not the academy for you. Now. if if, if there's there's a couple of academies right by mine within like a 10 mile radius of mine they're both good academies they are devoted to the meathead athletes there is nothing i i i have i throw no shade at that for those guys but if you are not in that category that's probably not the place for you so if you're that young guy you're that 25 year old you have no responsibilities you know you, you know you you're you're a waiter at a Italian restaurant on the weekends to pull up money. And if you get fired from it, then you're going to go waiter at a Chinese restaurant. All right, no big deal. Right. You don't have wife. You don't have kids go to that place, but you're in your forties, fifties, older. Train, you train, you have to push it. You have to, you have to push, but at the pace that works for you, that doesn't break you, it, you know, Like you even said, be sore. Don't get hurt. So push the pace, but don't just, ah, you know,
0: shoot, you know, destroy yourself doing it. So uh, one of the, you know, in the presentation, I talk a lot about, you know, there's all these different things we can use, but a lot of it's like technical skills with shooting. I think one of the things that jujitsu holds and any of the martial arts is just, there's a mental aspect there that just, it's really hard to get anywhere else. So can you take a few minutes and talk about the mental aspects you know things that are popping into my mind are just you know showing up every you know, two three times a week knowing it's going to suck and also kind of like you know as a, as a very early white belt dude I mean all I can do is let that guy kill me one second slower than he yep. did last time that that's a lot like what victory looks like and it's just there's this immense feeling of I guess like powerlessness as you're trying to get your feet into this thing it's like man this is a big ball of suck but I think there's I think there's a certain advantage in, you know, kind of, you know, be willing to to take that on Uh, riff on that for a little bit for me, man.
2: Yeah. That's actually one of my favorite aspects of jujitsu. And it's one of, it's one of the things that I've carried with me for so long and and why I became so devoted to it was because I know what it's done for me in exactly that way, that resilience, that anti-fragility, that basically being comfortable in, incredibly uncomfortable positions and going, yeah, I don't like this. This isn't fun, but you know what? I'm going to survive. I'm going to get through this. I know how to get through this. That sticks with you in every single aspect of your life. You know, and like you said, you start, it starts with going to the Academy when you know you're, you're the nail and everybody else has the giant hammer and you go, I don't want to do this. I, I so I, am, I don't say this too often because it's, it's kind of embarrassing. But when I started with my professor in 93, um, so he taught out of a boys and girls club. Um, and we had the back room. And on Saturdays, there was nobody. It, it was just us. The, the boys and girls club was closed. And the parking lot was behind. There were days. There were days I pulled up. I was the, maybe the last person there or one of the last people and everybody else was walking in. I sit in my car and I, I try to decide if I'm going to drive away. I'm going to be like, I don't want to walk in there. I'm going to be destroyed. I'm going to be smashed. I'm going to be chum in that shark tank for the next two hours. And it, and it didn't make me feel particular because I, I came in as a martial artist. I was a good striker. I was a good kickboxer. And I was a Filipino martial artist. So I felt pretty good and I'm just nothing in there. And getting out of my car and walking in there, and just stepping on the mat was one of the best things I've ever done. Just to say, you know what, that little voice in your head that just says quit, stop, don't. Know. I said, you know, f you, and I kept going. Um, and that just sticks with you. And then it's the little victories on the mat, like you said. It, w- the way you said it was exactly the way. It should be, I'm gonna, this time, I'm gonna survive one second longer against this guy. I remember when I first started rolling with my professor, the very first rolls, we'd we'd go like six or seven minute rounds and I'd tap 14 times, something like that, in in that round. Then a couple months, six months down, I'm like, oh, I'm only tapping eight times. Yeah, I'm getting better, because I was. Now, it, it wasn't what people expect Right. You know, especially coming from something where if you have good instruction and you're um, and and you're a good, uh, dedicated student, like with shooting. You're going to see a pretty good leap forward quickly. You go you go to a, com- a range master combative pistol class. You're going to come out of that substantially better after those two days. And if you practice a little bit and, you know, and, and do all those things and dry fire six months down the road you're gonna really be good but in jujitsu it's this tiny incremental little progress and that can be really tough and it breaks people it absolutely breaks people um the every there's a joke there's a joke oh he got a blue belt let's hopefully he comes back because a ton of people quit when they get their blue belt and i and and go, people talk about why and i'm pretty sure i know why it's you train, let's say it takes anywhere from a year and a half to three years to get a blue belt legitimately, like if you're training all the time. You work really hard, you get the blue belt, you get it and you realize you don't know squat. You, you've just done all this work and you feel like you're all the way at the beginning and you go, why should I keep doing it? And they quit. A huge drop off. There's the huge drop off after about a month or two. And then the second big drop-off is at Blue Belt. And I think it's that frustration. It's that mental breaking of, I can't do this anymore. But man, if you stick it out and you just get used to, I remember the first time I rolled with, we had these two these two twin brothers from, I think they were from Chicago when they were um, semi-pro football players. They were both offensive linemen. They were both 300 pounds. And I'm rolling with both of them. And I remember them, one of the first one gets me in a headlock and he's just crushing literally 300 pounds on my head. And I'm like, Oh my God, Oh my God, this sucks. This sucks. I'm going to tap. And then I was like, no, you know what? I'm not going to tap yet. And I just adjust and I adjust and I adjust and I, and I get a little bit space and I can breathe a little bit more. It still sucks, but only sucks at about 80% instead of 98%. I get a little bit more. And after about two minutes in, I hear him go. (laughs) And he's gassed. I'm like, huh. And then I end up getting out, and I take take his back, and then I roll with his brother the next round. Same exact thing happened, and I was like, "Oh, this is jujitsu. Just survive those little moments till the other guy starts to his battery starts to do this, and then we go
1: kapow."
2: And that becomes such a great life lesson, right? Um, you learn. That's how life. That's how you win at life, right? We don't get these great easy victories in life. It just doesn't happen. It's sometimes it's a slog, right? I'm going through this. My I have a medical family medical situation going on in the last four months, and it's been tough at times. It's been, you know, it's been man like having to do so much, having to to take care of so much stuff while I'm running the academy and and doing all that kind of stuff. There's days my battery literally is I'm on low power mode. And I'm shutting down all the extra apps because that's the only way I can get through the day. But here's the thing. I know I can get through it. Even on that horrible day when I'm driving down the road just screaming, you know, just every car comes close to me. I hate you. I'm going to run you off the road. Come close to me. I'm going to kill you. Just getting all that frustration out. But I know I'm going to get through that day. And I'm going to wake up the next day and it's going to be okay. And a lot of that, a lot of that has come from jujitsu, just that mental resiliency. And that translates directly to fighting. As you point out in, in, your, in your lecture stuff, When I know, if I know I can do that, I know I can survive the horrific situations on the street. Guy attacking me. Maybe I've been shot. Maybe I've been stabbed. I've already been hit. Maybe it's multiple opponents. But you know what? I can keep going. I can just keep going. I'm not going to give up. And you see this. You see this. It was really interesting. You see this in force on force um, evos all the time. When the person knows that their life is not actually at stake and they know they're not going to get hurt, but they get into the situation where they're getting shot with their own Sims gun. Maybe the guy's on top of them pounding them in the helmet and they go, I quit. I quit. I quit. Yeah, I don't care. Keep going. I can't breathe. Yeah. If you can say you can't breathe, you can breathe. So keep going. Right. And that and, and and the thing is, I've seen it. I've seen those people break in those situations. They're the same guy on the internet who says, Man, I don't need hand to hand skills. When it fights, I see red and I hulk out and I you, you can do whatever. You could I gouge me and I'll keep fighting. No, you won't, because I just saw you bitch out. I just saw you bitch out when it wasn't even for real. But in jujitsu or in any of the, and this goes for, I think, I think grappling, it's more intense because of that torso to torso contact. But it's any of the, the combat sports, boxing, Thai boxing, doesn't matter. There's that thing. You just go through it and you, you go, you know what, man, two hours of getting my butt kicked, tapping left and right thrown to the planet really hard. Everything hurts, but you know what? I'm still here and I'll keep going. And uh, I don't know any other way to get that safely, right? That's the thing. Yeah, can we do ECQC and get that kind of stuff? Sure, there's not one human being on the planet who can do three hours of ECQC every day, five days a week for a year. You're going to die. Everyone, I don't care, Mr. Super Navy SEAL dude, you are going to break physically from doing that but you know what you, but what you can do, you can do jujitsu. You can keep rolling. You can put yourself through it over and over and over and over and over without breaking, especially, like I said, with all the caveats at the beginning on how to find the right gym and how to approach the training. You could do this over and over and over again and go, yeah, this sucks. I'm not enjoying this, but I can fight my way through it. And that mental resiliency, you own it. No one can ever tell, once you have, no one can ever take it away from me, no matter what. Like like I said, my my professor's gym was kind of a fight club shark tank thing. There were horrific days. But I wouldn't train them for the world. Yeah, I've got injuries and I've been beat up for it, you know, and stuff like that, and I'm emotionally scarred from it. But I wouldn't train it for the world because of that, that mental resiliency. Now, I have a better way of doing it now. I think the way we teach now, I think the way good jiu-jitsu guys and, and – guys uh who who teach this like craig douglas larry Lindemann, paul sharp chris fry myself some of us other ones uh you know, greg ellifred who who try to teach us kind of stuff i think we have a better way of doing it than just making it pure fight club but i wouldn't trade that for the world because I, i'm sorry you ca- I'm, i don't care who you are you're not breaking me you're not you're not going to mentally or emotionally break me i've already faced that and so i do think it's um I do think it's the single best thing you could get from jujitsu. You know, I I, I always say jujitsu is like the best bang for the buck because you get a fighting skill. Um, uh, you get the best form of fighting fitness you possibly can. There's, there's a social camaraderie. I think, I think guys who legitimately do jujitsu tend to be really cool people in general to hang out with and, and you know, just chat with, um, uh, if you want to do it as a sport, there's that outlet. Um, all that stuff's great, and it's the same art practice the same way. But again, the number one thing is that is that mental that that mental wall that you build internally. Um, yeah, just as a side note, and this is not a, a this is not a, a, a proselytizing for competition in jiu-jitsu because I don't. But one of the reasons that I've competed in jiu Jitsu as much as I have, is because I'm afraid of competition. I'm afraid of doing it. I'm afraid of showing up and looking bad and tapping out in front of people. And now as a black belt, and this is broadcast on on uh, on the, live on the internet. So not only do I got 3,000, 4,000 people in the stand, I got 50,000 people watching live when I compete. Um, but I do it because if I don't, I'm afraid that voice inside wins. And I'm not going to let it win. So I go and compete. And man, that uh, that hour before, you're supposed to show up about an hour before your match time. And you would call it the bullpen. So you're in the bullpen. And you start looking. You start looking. Oh, is that the guy I'm going to fight? Oh, is that the guy? Uh, oh, man, he looks good. Oh, man, he, that's a tough guy. And then the little voice starts going, hey, you know what, Cecil? You don't need to do this. Why are you doing this? You're an old man. You don't have nothing to prove. You should leave. But I don't give in to that voice. And I'd stay. And there again, that mental resiliency of not breaking when it's really easy to break, man, that's mine. I own it for the rest of my life and it will come up, come to the fore in any horrible situation. And it has in life. You know, I lost my dad, I lost my mom, right? All these things, that mental resiliency, I could have broke because my mom shouldn't have passed away. That was That was a screwed up thing. She shouldn't have passed away. It could have broke me and it didn't because of all this stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't mean to go on and on about it, but I think as you point out in your lecture, how important that kind of thing is to survive these horrific things. And I just, I literally don't know the better way to get it for the average Joe. Yeah. Go to see, go, go, go be a special forces operator and do all that kind of stuff. If you're in your twenties, you'll probably develop it, but how is the rest of us? And so I think that's a, a really great way without getting hurt, you know, without
0: being broken. Uh, just a couple of things. I think you, you touched on this earlier. Um, isn't part of the challenge – I'm sorry to phrase – you know, you talked about how you can get pretty efficient with a pistol fairly quickly, right? Isn't that just a, a large byproduct of, that, like, the, the field of knowledge? There's only so many ways to run a handgun, so many ways. I mean, you've only got two hands to clear a malfunction. You know, do it with two hands. Do it with one hand or the other, and it's it's those. There's a limited number of manipulations and stuff like that. But with BJJ, that field is just so much bigger. Isn't that what explains how why it takes so long to to get better at it?
2: Yeah, because because the thing is, um, and even and it's interesting. It's even with a lot of the striking systems too. I would push a little bit more on the side of shooting, and here's why: because you have no external actor on what you're doing. Right when you're trying to learn to shoot a gun, when you're drawing that gun, there's nobody jumping on you and beating you around the head with a stick. To oh, I snapped the tr- I snatched the trigger. I didn't get a, a full grip. I didn't get the sights aligned because some guy was doing something. To you. The problem with jujitsu because we're in physical contact with another human being pretty much the entire time we're training. Everything that he does affects everything that we do. So I could do, and this is one of the reasons sometimes why it's hard to judge if you're getting better at jujitsu. Because you know, if I shoot a target, if I shoot a 26-second casino drill, which may have been my score the first time I shot casino, by the way. Um, but then by the end of combative pistol, I'm shooting an 18-second casino drill in two days, I've gotten better. There's, there's there's an easy, there's an easy marker to go. I've gotten better, but with jujitsu, it's, man, I could be firing on all cylinders. I could be doing the techniques perfectly. My tactics are great. I'm reading the energy, but the other guy's better. And he stops and stuffs everything I'm doing. Doesn't mean I'm not any good, but he just happened to be a little bit better. Or I make one tiny mistake like the, the example I always use. So if I'm shooting, if we're in a gunfight at seven yards, 10 yards, and I move my elbow a little bit, I move my elbow an inch, it's probably not going to affect the gunfight. You know, eh, maybe I lose a little recoil control or whatever, or I expose myself from cover and get shot, but, you know, minor. But literally, if, I, if I'm entangled with the other guy, standing around the ground, and I move my elbow an inch, that's the difference between life and death, Literally. And that movement can happen in the blink of an eye. So those things are going, I got 1800 of those things going on constantly and it's always changing. So with jujitsu, it's like, Oh my God, Oh God, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I mean, sometimes you're learning to move and it takes you six months to get it. Not because you're not, you're not good. It's just your training partners are able to stop it. And then it takes a while to learn how to do it. So it's it's a very complex skill, and I ha- and I I never begrudge anybody who tells me who just get frustrated with how hard it is. Man, see, so I don't understand. You know, I don't think I'm getting any better, and I I never make fun of it because I understand that issue that it that it is a problem no matter what um, because it's so complex, it's so chaotic. There's so many variables that it's hard to. Get to the uh, honestly. The difference between an okay blue belt and a really good black belt is not really technique. Yeah, black belt might know a handful of more other techniques more than that blue belt, but it's not that. It's timing. It's energy perception. It's being able to understand the 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 ideas and the concept base posture, pressure, position, just those things, and it's almost subconscious. You know, I'm not I'm not thinking all the time about, oh, I have to move him this way and do this, you, it just happens. So it's not even the, it's not the technique, it's how we use the technique. And I, to some extent, I think it's shooters, right? I think the newer shooter is gonna have to really think about the trigger press, the side alignment. Or if you have somebody like Tom Gibbons or you know uh, uh, Ernest Langdon or you know Rob Latham, it looks like they're just going, whatever, here. You know, it's literally magic to us. To them, it's science. To us,
0: it's magic, and that's what jujitsu looks like. Sometimes, mm-hmm. believe me, I'm not magic.
1: <laughs> I'm not magic.
0: So I would be remiss if I did not nerd out for a second. Um, oh. You've been a lecture. I talk a little bit about recognition prime decision making, right? And uh, for those that don't know, recognition prime decision making came from studying firefighters. Psychologists started to look at how firefighters made decisions in very very short time frames and it wasn't just that they made fast decisions but that the decisions were amazingly accurate and they started to dig into that and tried to understand and they came with this concept called recognition primed decision making and it's based because by the time that a firefighter gets to the point where he's going be sizing up a scene and making uh decisions and on how to attack and that sort of thing he has a lot of experience he's seen it a lot um what percent of BJJ is just really good recognition, prime decision-making. Most
2: of it. Most of it. That's and that,
0: again, that's the hard part. That's the hard part.
2: And that's why, so I remember when I started with my professor and I'm having a problem, oh, I can't get this technique. I can't do this. I go, Hey Meg, you know, I'm having a problem with this. Can you help me? He goes, roll more. I'm like, okay. and come back, have another problem. Hey Meg, you know, I can't get this armbar. bar roll more. And essentially what he was telling me was it's not the technique. It's that recognition. It's that recognition that I needed to build into my system. So you roll, you train, and it doesn't have to be full on sparring, you know, just let's go. It could be isolation sparring. It could be positional sparring. It could be very specific directed, but I build that energy, that, that, that recognition, that feeling, that perception. And sometimes when jujitsu is, when I love jujitsu at its most, is when I pull up a move and you ask your partner, did you give that to me? Did you just go with that? And they're like, no, dude, you got me. But it's so effortless. And you almost don't even think about it. You're kind of like, you, you make a move. You don't even know what you're intending, but boom, you sweep them with like a sweep you've never done before. And it's just like straight out of a, uh Instagram video. And
1: you're like, whoa.
2: But it's that kind of thing. I Some part of me felt that shift and you take advantage of it. And I think again, that's one of the things that leads to frustration with jujitsu because I can't teach that. I'd love to, right. I'd love to crack the code that I could download that into your system. And I charge so much money to teach. That would be great, But, but I can't. So the best I can do is guide you to it, guide you to the experiences, with it and then hopefully help you build that yourself but that just like a firefighter i'm sure that tons of firefighter academy people you know directors have tried to figure out how we could build this into the training system and i'm sure they've done better stuff but at some point it's pure i recognize i just saw it enough time that i know oh man watch this this is a bad fire watch when you go in the attic here because it's worse, you know, just those things you can't, it's not, it's not a teachable thing. But That's, a, that's the best
0: of jujitsu is that. So i got two more questions as we start to move toward the wrap up, because I may have gotten a message that's, that's informing my wife is X amount of minutes out from the interrupting our lovely <laughs> session here. And I'll throw both of these out here. Uh, so you can try to handle them both. First off, you said okay. BJJ is about a 60% solution. Everybody wants to know what the other forty percent looks like. And the other thing I'd ask for, because we have a lot of you know people interested in weapons, um, what's the difference between BJJ as commonly taught versus the BJJ in an environment where weapons are in play? What was the say? Say the first question again. Was the
2: uh,
1: oh the, the other forty yeah. percent?
2: Yeah. So the other forty percent again, firearms is going to be one. I'm sorry for my martial art, my my anti-gun martial art friends, or not necessarily friends, but people I know. Um, As good as you are, at some point, the only thing that's going to get you out of certain situations, be able to be a really good shooter. So you have to have that. Um, I would say there's some striking at some point has to come in. I think it's secondary, but I think it has to be in. Um, I am very much, I mean, Free fight threat containment is the most, you know, I would say pre fight threat containment and uh, some sort of health and vitality is going to be number one, no matter what. You, you have to have that before everything else. Number one, just the fact alone, if you look reasonably physically fit, you're probably getting deselected as a victim right from the get go and you don't need anything else. So right there alone, there's your great reason to, you know, be, you know, have some kind of physical conditioning for self-defense. But then the pre-fight stuff, understanding how violent criminal actors think and act, um, uh, how do you get your deselect, how do you be de- deselected? You know, managing unknown contacts, all that kind of stuff, all that stuff. I would also add in OC spray. I do think that, the, I think it's a niche, right? I think it's a, it's a small niche, but it's a very crucial and critical niche. Um, I can go hands-on, this is gonna sound bad. I can go hands-on with almost anybody and I'll probably come out okay. But I probably don't want to go hands-on with some homeless guy, you know, who's carrying Hep eighteen or Hep Z, whatever, and everything A, B, else. D, right? Z. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That. A Hep alphabet, and whatever stuff, and probably got you know lice all over him and whatever. I'd, i yeah, I could choke him out, but I'd much rather zap him with you know spicy weaponized condiment from from afar. Um, so I, I think those things, and then you could add in impact weapons and blades certainly those are all components i think i think on that force continuum there's there's a there's a spot for everything um i do think i think jujitsu especially has the advantage of why i'd lean it towards the 60 percent because you could use it literally everything from completely non lethal or i'm just restraining the guy from doing any more harm all the way on up to lethal and it's the only it's really the only thing. It's the only tool, whatever that you can you can cover all of those bases at the same time. Um, and I mean, face it, the majority. I mean, it might only be fifty one percent, but it's still the majority of interpersonal violence don't rise to the threat of lethal force. So I can't shoot everybody. I'd you know maybe there's lots of people who deserve it, but I probably can't. So having that. But it doesn't, but again, I'm sorry, guys. Hicks and Gray, let's see, Gordon Ryan's probably the best submission grappler on the planet. And he may very well be the greatest one ever that's ever walked the earth. But if he's jumped by four dudes, he better have a Glock or not a Glock. Oh, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. Oh, my God. You know, a, a gun, right? Because that's what's going to get him through, not being. Gordon Ryan, the great submission grappler. So, you have to have these other components, and then you have to train them because you can't just do in pieces. You have to actually train the integration as well. That's its own. That's its own art. Um, so I do think all of that is important. And then what was the other? Oh, jujitsu in a weapons-based environment. Oh yeah, <clears throat> you basically have to do about a two-degree mental shift um, with with jujitsu, um, all the things you do on a jujitsu mat, you're going to do in a weapons-based environment. Here's the problem. The consequences on the mat are not the same as the consequences on the street. So if I screw up on the mat, so, you know, a lot of people misunderstand this. Uh, they'll say something like, oh yeah, well in a weapons-based environment, hand control becomes really important and jujitsu guys need to know that. Well, no, duh. I need to control the guy's hands in a jujitsu environment because how is he going to submit me with his arms? How is he going to pass my guard with his arms? How is he going to sweep me with his arms? How is he going to stop me for the most part from submitting, sweeping, doing all that stuff to him with his arms? So I have to control his arms in a straight jujitsu environment, just like I do in weapons. The problem is if I screw up in jujitsu, no big deal. Maybe he taps me. We slap hands and keep going. Or in a tournament, I screw up in a tournament. I've lost. Oh, dang. I don't win Pan Ams. I don't win American Nationals. Oh, well, there's always next year. Or there's a tournament next month. But if I make that same mistake in the street, I'm not slapping hands after. I'm not being able to show up the next for the fight the next year. Might be dead. So you just have to understand that that all the things that we need to do in jujitsu all the time, you still have to do them because the consequences, if we get sloppy, are really bad. Um, and then the only other thing you have to think really, I mean, there's 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 nuance to this, right? There's details and stuff. I'm just talking about general concepts. The other thing is the weapon, once the weapon is the guy, the other guy goes for the weapon or or, or actually deploys it, weapon becomes primary. That's your primary threat. So some of those things that I might think of in jujitsu, controlling the hips, um, controlling posture, I might have to give up because I now I have to deal with the weapon. So I, sometime, it may be that while dealing with the weapon, I violate some jujitsu principles. Maybe I even give up my back. That's very possible. Or in a jujitsu environment, that'd be like, no, no, that would be really stupid. But if the only way I can keep him from stabbing me is turning that way and put pressure, well, that's what I got to do. I can't stick to jiu and let him stab me or shoot me or whatever. So it's just a little degree shift, but you have to train it that way. You cannot just tell yourself. You can't be on the mats doing straight jiu-jitsu and going, oh, yeah. I listen to what Cecil said. I've watched Craig teach, teach. I, I, I'll, I'll just, no at some point. No, you don't have to do it all the time. You don't have to do every single time you step on the mat. But every now and then, get the guns out. Or even okay, Mister Mister, uh, you know, anti-gun. I am a martial artist. I don't do guns. Okay, the bad guy has guns. So give your training partner a gun or a knife, and train against that. Where there's some some penalty of losing right you tell your partner hey dude if you could stab me with this knife or you can get this airsoft pistol out and shoot me i will buy you the dinner of your choice at whatever restaurant you can now your partner goes yeah so now there's something on the line right because because otherwise is that true pressure testing hey try to get the gun out i tried i tried oh man you were so good I, i couldn't do it but if you if you up the stakes and now your partner's got a reason to maybe make you lose, now you've got some real training. So it's not difficult, but you do have to make that mental shift and you have to train it at some point. Like, let's say you're going to jujitsu three days a week. All right, once a month, get together with a couple guys for an hour and do the other stuff. And maybe once or twice a year, take a class where that's the entire weekend. Come to my class. Come to, uh, do MDoc with Paul, do ECQC or EWO with Craig, something like that. That's a pretty good path and you'll be on the right path for jujitsu. Cool.
0: So uh, what have you not said that you should have or like in three minutes when we hit stop recording? What are you going to go? Man, I wish I'd said that. Well, what, 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 oh, because it's always
2: going to be as soon as I'm off. Right. As soon as I'm walking away and I get my dinner ready, I'm like, oh, man. That was going to be the first thing I said. Um, I pro- There's probably something minor, but I think I got the important stuff uh, across. Like, I love jujitsu. It's a great art. It can do so much for you. It's not complete on its own. There has to be some other stuff. And yes, that means that there has to be a little commitment to training, just like with the gun. I don't care. You can have the Gucci gun, the Gucci holster, the gucci ammo all that kind of stuff you take one class with whoever's the hotness right now and that's all you do at some point down the line your skills drop it's the same with anything else i don't i don't care oh at one time dude i could deadlift 500 pounds yeah when was that well like eight years ago have you lifted since no well, guess what? You can't deadlift or squat. So, right, there has to be that ongoing training, and it can be tough. But, you know,
0: this is a, a mastery is a journey, not a destination, right? We just keep going. We just keep going. Well, one of the things you specialize in is I, I call them like bite-sized nuggets. So you can spend, what, two or three days with you just a weekend as kind of an early, you know, get your foot in the water kind of a thing. And you can get somebody spun up, you know, to a decent point in that in that weekend, right? So when, yeah. when when where when and where can we find you? So I gotta get my I, I gotta get my calendar updated on Iacombatus.com
2: and on Facebook. Um my next class, I'm in uh Oklahoma, I'm at Mead Hall in Oklahoma City at the end of February. Um I'm in Detroit at the end of March. And I'm in like outside Seattle in May. But I should have I'm desperately, you know, hopefully this week will be actually my first week and forever that I'll have some time and energy and I should have everything updated. So if they go to iacombatis.com or my Immediate Action combatus Facebook page, I should have everything updated with all the next classes. And yeah, and my coursework is, it, it, I, I have, I've had pretty good luck over 18 years where I can get people with nothing to at least like, oh yeah, I just did it. I was just a... Uh, in north carolina last weekend with the guys from apache solutions and i think we had you know i think we're pretty good group that they were all like yeah you know what i feel better i understand things a little bit more than i would have before so i'm pretty proud of the coursework
0: well uh, real quickly uh my web uh my business is two pillars training i totally forgot to introduce that in the beginning uh i've got stuff i'm still finalizing my 24 schedule but i am for sure in bandera texas which is the san antonio area i think i'm there in may uh i'm in culpeper virginia in october as far as that goes uh probably ohio in august i'm still filling in some dates um but uh any other th- anything for the good of the order cecil yeah i'm gonna get you back here to phoenix to do your lecture again
2: um, I hopefully, hopefully I can get access to a range because I'd, I'd like to do cognitive pistol too in some way. I know it's kind of a hard, it's hard for you to travel, but I kind of like to do that as well. I, I love the lecture, but I'd also like the extra stuff as well.
0: Well, suddenly my schedule's opened up and uh, I'm actually thinking about probably doing a circuit or something like that. I, you know, hit oh, Phoenix, okay. I already have some interest in Southern California. So, you know, oh. it's going to be very hard for me just by going out to Phoenix for like a weekend class. But if I can make a week of it, that would make a lot more sense. And I definitely okay. have some you know, – I've already been contacted about possibly doing that because uh, cognitive pistol, especially the two-day version, is the pistol class you didn't know you need but you really need because it's not about going faster or even to a certain degree more accurate. It's actually about solving problems with the gun, and uh, I come up with all kinds of devious ways to, to, to make you hate life. It's good. Cool. that's good well man thank you for spending uh your time with me this after this evening We we have once again risen to the occasion and saved Lee's bacon um I think this is a sad commentary on state of affair of Lee's podcast we're like at yeah, like, the come, bottom of the bottom interviewing the bottom of the bottom so when they come to us for help good Lord man that's bad what yeah what does always Lee's always say you know don't tell your dumb friends only tell your smart friends and uh thank you for taking the time to uh, spend listening to this podcast tonight.
1: Thank you. Thanks, guys.